You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to talk just a little bit about what's coming on Sunday, um, what's coming up, uh, and what I'm going to talk about. I'll reiterate some of this on Sunday, uh, but uh, I'm going to start a new series on leadership uh, on Wednesday nights, three different elements of leadership that God's placed in my heart. He placed this in my heart several months ago um, because I'm teaching at a leadership conference in Phoenix uh, this summer, and so I, mean, I, I said, God, I want to be way out in front of this, and so he put these things in my heart, and I sat down and wrote them out over a couple-day period of time, and going to teach you guys on this, and there's a reason for it, but before we get there, uh, man, just talking about how God operates uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to start reading in verse 6. It says, however, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually mature. You know, you know, God, God wants us to be spiritually mature. You know, a lot of times for those of us that lived in the world for any period of time, we were, we were mature in the things of the world. Otherwise, we knew the plan, we knew the deal, we knew the, we knew the, the, you know, where to get the beer, where to get the, I mean, whatever we had, you know, where the party was going to be, or we, I mean, we had plans, and we had, we were, some of us were good at it, you know, and, and we don't, God doesn't want us to be mature in the things of the world, and not, and not come to his kingdom, and not to, to be determined to be good at the spiritual things that God has for us. He wants us to be spiritually mature, and there's a wisdom he just said right there, there's a wisdom in a, that is revealed to those that are spiritually mature. And how do you get spiritually mature? You just got to spend time in the Word and in prayer. I mean, it's just, you got to do it not just on Sunday and Wednesday, but you have to, that's all part of it, but you need to do it every day. You have to desire to be spiritually mature, and when you, when, the more mature you get spiritually, the more of God's wisdom He'll show you. And He wants to show it to you. And then, Listen to the rest of this. It's wisdom that didn't originate in this present age, nor did it come from the rulers of this age who are in the process of being dethroned. This is 2,000 years ago, and God's already saying, hey, I've been processing dethroning these wicked uh, spiritual entities in this world and the people that cooperate with them for a long time. Since Adam and Eve. He's been in the process of dethroning. And he said, instead, in verse 7, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden, everybody say hidden, before now in a mystery, everybody say mystery. It is his secret plan, destined before the ages to bring us into glory. None of the rulers of this present world order understand it. For if they had, they never would have crucified the Lord of shining glory. He's saying this, that in order to understand prophecy, in order to understand the destiny and purpose God has for you and me, we have to become spiritually mature. Because he's gonna tell us things that are hidden in mysteries. He's gonna show us things. He's gonna show us things in those mysteries and those hidden things. He's gonna do things. He's gonna accomplish things that only the spiritually mature will be able to discern or understand and know what to do with them because they're hidden. Prophecy in and of itself in the Bible is hidden and it's a mystery and only can be understood by the people who are being led by the Spirit and are spiritually mature. Only they will be able to see it and know what is coming. And so I'm starting a new series called The American Revelation on, on Sundays, but I want you to understand that everything we talk about, the, the Word of God, is, is being disseminated in this room and online. Thank God for all the online people, too. It's being disseminated. Come to church if you live in Roswell, by the way. We're open. We're open for business, God's business. Come join us. And so if you're not, if you're in another state, go to church, go to a local church, but we thank you for being with us. But 
But anyway, it's going to be discerned differently. When I preach, it's discerned differently depending on your spiritual maturity in the room. You're going to get different stuff out of it. You're going to see different things. And God will begin to show you when you press in and decide, I'm going to become spiritually mature. You know, I was talking to, uh, I'm going to brag on, I hope, I hope they don't mind me doing this because I just found this out tonight. But um, Ben, um, Josh, and Bree's son, they, he led two of his classmates to Jesus. I think it was today or yesterday. And he was explaining how he did it. And he just asked them, do you follow Jesus? They said, yes. He said, have you ever prayed? They said, no. And then his mom asked him, what did you pray? And he said, I just prayed. I had him pray this. He had him pray. I don't know how old's been, seven? He said, I had him pray, Jesus, open the door of their heart so they can receive you as the Lord. That's what they prayed. That's what he led them in the prayer. Listen. Your age doesn't determine your spiritual maturity. Do you know most Christians, overwhelmingly, the majority of Christians will never lead one person to Christ by themselves? They'll never lead anybody in a prayer. But this little kid back here, he's so spiritually mature at that age, he's already led two this week. Spiritual maturity has nothing to do with how old you are. David was 13. He was more spiritually mature than all the men in Israel. Mary was 14, 15. She was more spiritually mature than all the women in Israel. Age has nothing to do with it. It took Moses to be 80 before he was spiritually mature enough to do what he was supposed to do. Abraham, 100. Sarah, 90. It doesn't matter your age. It, it matters how close and how determined you are to draw close to God, to hear from him. A lot of people want to know what God's called me to do, but you'll never find out until you decide I'm going to grow up spiritually. We're going to age day by day, but that you can be 80 and not as spiritually mature as a 13-year-old that really is pressing into the things of God. So age has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with how much time you want to spend with God. How much time do you want to focus with God, not just praying things out. He wants us to pray those things out, but praying out before you enter into even reading the word, before I even enter into the word, I pray stuff out and then I pray. This is my prayer. God, give me revelation, supernatural insight. Reveal the mysteries and the hidden things in your word that will draw me closer to you. That I'll understand who you are more and, and you'll know me more. Because Jesus said to those who don't go to heaven, I never knew you. What that means is, I never had a personal, intimate relationship with me, with you. You never surrendered your life to me. You always still hung on to it yourself. And in order to learn how to surrender, you got to spend time. You got to spend time in the Word and time in prayer. It's that simple. It's not complicated. It's, you know, people try to complicate it. It's not. You just got to want to be spiritually mature. You have to want to press in. You have to want to understand the things of God, and then he'll show you a wisdom that's not of this world. And I'm going to say this about the prophecy. A lot of prophecy is a mystery by design. We're going to go into Revelations on Sunday, and we're going to talk about some things tonight, but the Word has a certain amount of mystery to it by design. Let me say it again. It's by design. Because God doesn't want the enemy to know his plans. When Satan gets a hint, when he gets a hint of God's plans, he immediately will try to find people that will cooperate with him to kill it. Now, immediately some of you probably had some thoughts about what happened. So, someone tells Pharaoh that um, a deliverer has been born among the people of Israel, and what the Jews, the slaves of, of Egypt, what does he try to do? Kill Moses. Someone, they can't discern it themselves. They can't discern it because they don't know God. I remember, I've told this story before, some of you might relate. 
and I know a lot of people that do, that, man, I didn't know Jesus Christ as my Lord, but I was looking for something, so I saw my mama reading her Bible all the time, so one day I got a Bible out and sat in my room, sober, and said, I'm going to read this. And I tried so many chapters, I didn't understand a doggone word it said. And I remember throwing, I remember so angry, I threw the Bible against the wall and my dad yelled, what are you doing in there? Knock it off. And I was, I was infuriated, I couldn't understand it. You can't discern God's word without first of all surrendering your life to Jesus and then receiving the Holy Spirit. John 16, 13 says, the Spirit of God will come, the Holy Spirit, and he'll guide you into all truth. You can't receive the hidden mysteries. You can't understand the prophecies. You can't even discern the scripture. That's why a lot of people say, I don't understand the Bible. Well, you can't understand it until you receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and you receive the Holy Spirit because that's the only time. I remember after I got saved, I went and read my Bible. I'm like, wow, how come I couldn't understand this before? I, had, I didn't make any connections to that. I'm just like, well, I, I get it now. I get it. I could read it. It, would, it made sense to me. But I, I understand it later on in life. I realized without the Holy Spirit, you can't discern the hidden with this wisdom that comes from God, not from this world. You, it's hidden. It's in a mystery, and it's on purpose. We know not just about Pharaoh, but we know about Herod. When the wise men came and told Herod, Part of God's plan, what did Herod do? Kill the babies. Satan will always find a human being that wants to cooperate. And it's, you know what's funny? It's really interesting. He came from government. Come on now. We were just talking about that back in the back. It came from God. Those attacks, I, I told Pastor I'm preaching on that tonight. Those attacks came from the government both times. And, and Satan will use evil people in government to attack. They attacked the church over COVID. Evil people in our government attacked the church over COVID and hate the church. And they'll use people in government to do that. He'll, Satan will find anybody in authority that will cooperate, and he'll use them. Now, he can never defeat God. That's the thing. Go with me to Romans. This is, a lot of people know this scripture. If you don't, don't feel bad. You're gonna hear it tonight. You, you need to get to know this scripture. Romans chapter eight, verse 28. This is what God always does to Satan. So it says this. So we are convinced, everybody say convinced, that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. You know, this last year, someone blessed Julie and I um, with a trip to Italy, and we thoroughly enjoyed that. But you know what was up? I, I put it together. You know, we had already decided to walk around the city 34 miles. And so right before we did that, we had had to put off, because of COVID, we had to put off this trip for two or three years and finally had to do it before it ran out. And so it just so happens that... This two or three year delay ended up being right before I walk around the city. So Julie and I spend, you know what you do in Italy? You walk. We walked up and down hills. We walked, I don't know how many miles a day, 20 miles up and down hills one day. I can't remember. Was, I mean, it was, it was I don't think we walked any less than about nine miles a day. But we walked and walked and walked and walked for 10 days through airports, around cities. I mean, just walked and walked and walked. And, uh, you know, Rome, the whole, all of Italy is like hills. It's just one hill after another. So you're walking up very steep streets and downhills. And I mean, so when I came back, I was able to walk that whole 34 miles because God was already, God's so, he turns what around. He just turned, even little things. You can, I mean, I just see that so clearly. Even little things that the delay of us not getting to go was perfect timing for me to be able to get all that walking in and enjoy a romantic time with my wife in Italy. It was awesome. But I came back, I was ready to go. And so, guys, even little things he turns around for our good. We have to understand that what the devil means for evil, God will turn around for good. 
So what happens with Moses? What happens with Jesus? I mean, it's all it's supernatural. Satan can't beat God. You think, well, Pastor Troy, we know that. Well, you better know it. I mean, K-N-O-W intimately know that Satan can't beat God because Satan's banging on the door of our culture, our nation, our state. And I want you to know that you need to have a joy about your life. Like Jesus, he said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We know things are going to happen and things are coming. But we need to have a joy about us because we know Right behind that, victory's coming, and God is always setting up Satan to fail. What does he say here? He says in 2 Corinthians, he says, he says they would have never killed Jesus if they'd known what was going to happen. Satan always loses, guys. He never wins. The only battles he wins are with people that cooperate with him. But he's, he's not going to win this thing. Let me say it again. He's, man, you ought to rejoice. He's not going to win this. God's going to win it. And everybody on God's side is going to win with him. We're going to stand in total victory, complete victory. He says, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. Every detail. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. And so God wants us to, he wants to reveal his designed purpose for us, but we have to get it revealed by the Holy Spirit. He says in Romans 8 right there, he said, those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, the children of God, the daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. And when we're led by the Spirit, he reveals hidden mysteries and stuff, not just in prophecy and in the book of Revelations, but in every word that's in the Bible. There's stuff in there. Uh, God compared the Word of God in the knowledge of him like a treasure hidden in a field that they sold everything they had in order to get that pearl of great price or that hidden treasure. They sold everything they had to get it. Guys, we need to, we need to, we need to get to a place where our number one priority every day is just to get to know God better. Because he wants to reveal things to you and do things for you to fulfill the designed purpose he has for us individually, as families, and as a church family. He's got a plan. And it's a lot better than Satan's plan. It will be victorious. It will come to pass. But we need to understand that God speaks in mysteries and hidden things, hidden wisdom, hidden prophecies in order to, to stop Satan from trying to hinder it. Because when, when people revealed evil things to Pharaoh and to Herod, Babies were slaughtered. So God wants to keep those things. He wants to keep those things. I said he wants to keep those things. And hide, you know, that's why Mary, it would say about Mary, Mary would hear things from, about Jesus when he was 12. She heard things when he was dedicated as a baby at, at the temple. Two different people, a man and a woman, both prophesied over Jesus. And it, everything she'd hear about Jesus, it would say, and she hid those things in her heart. She hid those revelation thoughts of what God was revealing in her heart. Sometimes we can't tell everybody everything we're doing because sometimes we equip others who are cooperating with Satan to try to hinder us. We need to be very wise on how we handle certain things. And we need to be very wise on how we discern the word of God, how we receive it, how we discern it. And we need to be very sensitive in these days on what the Holy Spirit is saying in our lives. Very sensitive. We were chosen, church. You and I were chosen to be born in such a time as this. It's not an accident. 
It's by choice. It's by God's choice to live right here, right now. Some of you say, man, I wish I was back in the 1940s with the greatest generation or, or back when America was like this and America was like that. Listen, you weren't chosen for that. You and I, our families, our kids, were chosen now. You think, well, my kids sometimes are like, Dad, what, you know, I want to get married and have kids. And I want to do this. I'm like, you were chosen now. You were chosen today. Don't forsake it. Don't regret it. God will bless you. Man, you'll get the blessings of God that he has for you in this life and the next. But don't forsake it. Relish in it. Welcome it. We were chosen by God to be here, right here, right now, in Roswell, America. We need to receive the word like that with joy. I said we need to receive the word with joy and an expectation of what God's going to do. Oh, we need to receive it with joy and an expectation that we know good is coming out of evil, that God will turn it around. I wanted to show you something tonight. I'm going to show it again Sunday, but I have a point to this because I'm going to talk about leadership here in just a moment, and, but I want to get to this. And again, I'm going to show some of this Sunday too, so you're going to hear it twice because you need to hear it twice. Some of you are aware of this, some of you aren't. Go ahead and put the scripture up. For it will be like it was in the days of Noah when the Son of Man appears. That's Matthew 24, 37. It'll be like the days of Noah. Now I'm going to talk about the days of Noah Sunday, and I'm going to talk about what all this means on Sunday. But I want you to realize it's going to be like the days of Noah. Just like the days of Noah. Just like the days of Noah. The scripture after this said there's going to be an economy. People are going to be marrying. Things are going to be happening. There's not going to be this worldwide economic collapse. It's not going to be like they show in the movies where there's just all, all this, you know, the end of time and the economy collapses and everybody dies of the plague. Not when we're on the planet, at least. I said not when we're on the planet, at least. So that's why I tell people, you don't, don't go into building a shelter mode. We need, to, we need to be right in the thick of it, ministering the gospel to people. We need to be prospering and living and doing stuff, man, and trying to gain influence in this world. And that's why I'm teaching on leadership. We need to grow in leadership so we can gain influence into people's lives like Ben had with his friends to tell them about Jesus and lead them to Christ. Oh, I can't wait to tell you the rest of this right here. But I want to show you a couple things. Go to the next side, slide, please. This was a performance at the Grammys by a guy named Sam Smith and another person, a transvestite, and he's a homosexual. He says he's non-binary. He's a homosexual. And they sing this song called Unholy. They perform this on national TV, and that's him playing Satan and people worshiping Satan on the stage at the Grammys. Now, I want to say this to you. Not one person have I heard of walked out. There were Christian artists in that room crickets. I haven't heard one of them say, I walked out. If I'd have won a Grammy in there as a Christian artist, I would have taken that Grammy and launched it at the stage. I'm not kidding you. Man, we live in a day that's in our face. They're worshiping Satan on national TV with a song called Unholy. And let me tell you what else would happen. CBS this guy right here texts out, hey, I'm about to go perform and, 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 you know, teach people basically how to worship Satan. And CBS, the news station, CBS, on their official page said, we are ready to worship. Haven't denied it. Haven't, I've been following the story. I've been texting back and forth with a group of pastors and Charlie Kirk. We've all been following this story I posted this on a text thread, and so we've all been starting to follow this story and talk about it. No retraction, no someone hacked our page, but the CBS producer said, we are ready to worship with explanation points. And they knew it was worship Satan. All the people at the Grammys, all those artists, sat there and worshiped Satan. 
Now, I haven't heard one comment about it from any of them that were there. Not Beyonce, not any of them have commented. Madonna introduced this. Guys, this is where we are. That's the reason I talked to you about you don't, don't receive this all beat up and beat down. We, we, God has a plan. And what's happening is Satan's playing his cards and showing us what is happening and what's coming, and this is going to end up turning it bad again. Satan's not going to win this battle. He's not going to win this. But I want to show you what's happening. That was on national TV. They worshiped Satan on national TV. This song, Unholy, is a viral sensation. Some of you know it. I'm going to warn some of you that are into all this crap. Um, this is a warning. You better watch yourself. Because this, these are signs of what is coming in the sign of the Son of Man. Coming. And so that's why I'm teaching on this. Next slide. This is a so-called pastor. He's converting his 12-year-old son to, from a boy to a, to a woman, 12 years old. And now he started this thing on TikTok, transphobia is a sin. This is what's coming. I tell you, about 50 to 60% of all pastors and churches believe this nonsense right here, right now. Next slide. This is in New Mexico. Well, these are the, these are, we're seeing this, this flag, the rainbow pride flag, not God's rainbow, not the promise flag, not the promise rainbow, but the pride rainbow flying in front of churches all over America. The last time one of our pastors was in New York, he said he didn't see a church that wasn't flying this flag in New York. Pastors, Andy Stanley, a lot of these celebrity pastors have crossed over into this area. Rick Warren, the pastor who replaced him, and him, the, per, the guy who wrote Purpose Driven Life. All these celebrity pastors have crossed over into this world. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Guys, this is what we're facing, but I want you to know, God has a plan. And he's not going to let them win. Next slide. This is in our Satanic Temple opens new abortion clinic to kill babies in ritualistic abortions in, in our state. It's the only one. They're opening up an abortion clinic that they can go in and have an abortion, and they will take you through a ritual of dedicating the murder of that child to Satan in our state. In our state. Only one of its kind is in the state of New Mexico. This is serious stuff, but I want you to know God has a plan, and it's better than Satan's plan. But I also want you to know there's a line being drawn in the sand, and you're, gonna be, you're not going to have a choice but to cross one way or the other. You're going to yield to the LGBTQ+, woke, anti, the spirit of the Antichrist. You can't play with this stuff, guys. There's no, there's no place in our world today to play around with this stuff. You hold those views, I'm telling you, you're already on the wrong side of this. I want to encourage you tonight to step back over that line and say, my right and wrong comes from God and the Word. What is good and evil comes from God himself, not, my, not what I think, not, my, not what my brother thinks, not what my sister thinks who's a lesbian or a homosexual or my parents or my political party, but what God says is right and wrong and good and evil. Let me say this too, not what my job says. Not what my job says either. Guys, my brother and I have stood, you guys know, and it's cost us. In a lot of different ways, it's cost us. I'm willing to pay whatever price to tell people, Jesus loves you, he died for you, and he's coming. He's coming. 
I don't know exactly when, but he said it was soon. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. These are the things happening in our world right here in New Mexico. I never imagined that they would have an abortion clinic where you can ritualistically perform a a satanic ritual to murder your child and basically dedicate your life to Satan. But we, they're going to build a clinic. They're opening a clinic just like that here in our state. They're dedicated to it. This is why elections have consequences. The Bible says when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people groan. It's going to be a lot of groaning. It's going to be a lot of groaning. But that's not what we're called to do. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, that's not what we're called to do, church. We're not called just to groan. We're called to do something else. We're called to stand. I said we're called to stand. Let me find Ephesians 6, verse, uh, starting verse 12. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heaven, heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods, little G-O-D, and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Another translation of that verse says, the world rulers of this present darkness. This was spoken 2,000 years ago, guys. It's spoken then to us now. There's a present darkness that is growing in our state and growing in our nation because Satan has found leaders. And people in New Mexico have voted in leaders and nationally have voted in leaders that are outright evil. Outright evil. And then just like Herod and Pharaoh and Nebuchadnezzar and all the rest of them, all these government entities... Think about it. All these, God, Satan is always, the spirit of the Antichrist is always trying to use government entities and government authorities to attack the body of Christ and his people. That's why it's so important that you vote. It's so important that you run for office. It's so important that you take a stand. I don't don't make a big deal out of this because when you're a judge, you have to kind of be low-key. But, I, but I, I will say this, Judge Mason's sitting over here, he and his wife, and I remember him coming to me a year or two ago, maybe longer, and he said, I, I, I can't just sit still. i got to do something. God has put it on my heart to do something. So out of, his, out of his desire, he told me five, ten years ago, I don't know how long ago, he said, We're gonna, as soon as I retire, I'm moving to Texas, so I'm going to go fishing. What I tell you, Judge? Say, you ain't going nowhere. I'm praying against you two leaving. I did. I told, he told me that. I said, I'm praying against you leaving. And then God began to stir him. He ran and he won. Guys, this is how God, God's moving. He's moving. We need people to run for the school board. We got a couple seats coming up that we need to replace people. We need godly people. We need Christians sold out to the word. We need people sold out to the kingdom. Not, not play Christians. Not these, yeah, I love Jesus, but I, I party. I, I, you know, I'm in the world, and, you know, and I, I think like the world, act like the world, and I think everything's okay, and I'm going to bow to every cultural pressure that's put on me because I'm on the school board or because I'm a principal or because I'm a doctor or because I'm a lawyer or because I'm this, that, and another thing. That's got to stop. I said, church family, that needs to stop. That's going to have to stop. We're going to have to be openly standing up and defiant, and you're going to all of us are going to have to take a stand who we stand for in this present darkness. God says to put on the armor right here, then he says, when you've done all you know to do, stand, stand your ground. Stand your ground and pray. Stand your ground and speak the word. And that's what we need to do. And leadership is key. Leadership leaves a path for others to follow. 
and it blazes a trail. And it's the, it's the literally, literally, leadership is the lifeblood of every family, every church, every city, state, and nation. Leadership is the lifeblood. It's the lifeblood of everything you do. If you had, all of us have probably had bad leadership at work and good leadership. We've all probably dealt with leaders that are not good. One way or either in business or in our homes or wherever. And we know, we know the difference between good and bad leadership. And God's calling on us, the, his children, his people, to stand up and be the leaders of our families, the leaders of our churches, the leaders of our city, state, and nation, and stop running away from the battle, but run into the battle with the full armor of God. You don't want to be an amateur Christian in a world full of professional demons and people that love Satan. You don't want to be an amateur Christian in this world, not with this stuff coming. You don't want to be an amateur Christian. You want to be a spiritually mature Christian. You, you want to be spiritually mature. And I promise you, when I talk about the Nazem Noah Sunday, you're going to find out what, how vitally important that is going to be. Vitally important. There's three key areas that we have to deal with and that we need to start to grow in in leadership. One is we need to have a clear vision. We need to have a clear vision in our homes. You need to have a clear vision for your marriage. You need to have a clear vision for your home, a clear vision for your finances, a clear vision. You need to have a clear vision. God never gives muddied visions. He might not give you the whole vision, but the, the goals and things he speaks to you about right now will be crystal clear. And it won't be the same for me as it is you. Because there might be areas of your life you're doing great in and other areas you're not. And it might be vice versa for me or the person sitting next to you. But he'll speak individually to the leaders of homes, especially you men. I said especially you men. He's calling you. He's calling men out. When he called all the men of Israel and they repented, the whole nation repented and got right. He's calling Christian men to step out and step up and, and speak to their wives and pray with their wives and say, what's the clear vision we have here? We need to have a clear vision for our marriage. We need to have a clear vision for our personal lives with God and our marriage, our children. We need to have a clear vision for our finances, for our homes. And then you need to come to church with that clear vision. And then pray for and believe in and pray about what part you're going to play in the clear vision of church on the move. Then you need to pray about the clear vision of your work. Is there a clear vision there? And what your part to play in it is. And what God wants from you there. And if, the, if there's not a clear vision... At your workplace, you just need to get a clear vision of what you're doing there, what God's doing with you right now, where you're at. But it's going to take pressing in, pressing in. That's why I always encourage people to, that when you get born again, the Holy Spirit changes your spirit and, cause, and creates something brand new inside of you that has never existed before because when we're born, our spirit is dead until the Holy Spirit enters in. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. And then that lawyer said, do he climb into our mother's womb? And Jesus is like, whack, 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 whack. No, you got to spiritually discern this. You have to spiritually discern this. No, it's, only, it's in your spirit that needs to be born again. Then I encourage people after they are saved and receive the Holy Spirit and it causes your spirit to come alive. You know why your spirit needs to come alive? Because God is a spirit and he speaks through the Holy Spirit and spirit speaks to spirit. That's why when I tried to read the word, the word of God is written by the Holy Spirit and the spirit of Almighty God and I couldn't discern it because my spirit was dead and it couldn't speak, my spirit couldn't hear. Then when I surrendered to Jesus and I got born again, now my spirit is alive and full of God's spirit, and now I could hear, and I could discern. That's when I heard, you're going to be a pastor. That's when I heard it, after I got born again. And I began to hear 
what the Spirit of God was saying. So then I always encourage people to develop a time every day where you're alone without distractions reading the Word of God. It doesn't have to be 10 hours. It doesn't even have to be an hour. But you need to spend some dedicated time. Because the Holy Spirit is speaking through the Word to us. Then I encourage people to not only get water baptized, but to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. We need to get as close to God as we possibly can. The apostles were not only born again, but then they were baptized in the Spirit. What does that mean? When, when you're saved, it's like you've got this reservoir of, of full of the Spirit of God. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, God said, now rivers of living water will flow out of you. One, we're saved, and we have this reservoir, but it's a shame that people have this, they have this big Holy Spirit, same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, is alive in you, but it's not flowing out of you because you have not been baptized in the Spirit. you got to seek those things. you got to say, okay, God, teach me, show me, help me to see it. But that's why you have to have a clear vision for your spiritual life. Where do you want to go? What do you want to be? How, do you, how close do you want to be to God? We need to pray those things out. I ask God all the time, teach me how to love. Teach me how to do this. Teach me, teach me, teach me, teach me. Why? Because Jesus said, I'm going to send you the teacher. His name is Holy Spirit. And he'll teach you and guide you into all truth about you, about, about God, about you, about those around you. It's amazing what God will do. But we have to have a clear vision. The one with the clear vision even if they don't have the title, is the leader. The one with the vision is the leader, even if they don't have the title. But that's the one who who's, is the leader. A clear vision should be easy to follow. God said, get the vision, write it down, so all can read it. Otherwise, it should be it should be specific. It should be pretty easy to, to talk about. If someone asks you the vision of Church on the Move, I'm hoping over this period of time, you'll be able to spit it out. Someone asks you, what is the vision for your marriage? Man, both husband and wife, just spit that out of your mouth, man. Make It, it should be simple. Something like, our marriage is going to bless God, bless us, bless our children. It's going to honor the Lord. We're going to have fun in our marriage. We're going to have fun. We're going to laugh. We're going to cry together. We're always going to be together. We're never giving up. I mean, you should have some clear vision and some clear goals and points to your marriage. You should have a clear vision for your children. You should be praying out those clear visions. And when God puts dreams in their heart, you should be discerning for them and saying, yeah, that sounds like a God dream. Or you should be confirmation. You shouldn't be leading the vision in their life. You should be confirming God's plan in their life. Too many parents want to lead it instead of letting God lead it. Let the Holy Spirit. You're not the Holy Spirit. Mama, you're not the Holy Spirit. Daddy, you're not the Holy Spirit. Not every kid's going to play in the NFL. Less than 1% will ever play at that level. They're going to be, but they're going to be a man. Your daughter's going to be something. But both your sons and your daughters need to be people of the Most High God. They need to know who God is through you and your marriage. Woo, man, I just got started. We got, we got another Wednesday coming. And if Jesus comes back between now and then, it won't matter what I have to say. <laughs> we'll be in heaven listening to him. He'll be teaching us. I'll just be listening. Listen, every eye closed. Man, oh man, oh man, these next several weeks are going to be so awesome. Woo! Invite your family. Invite your family that doesn't know Jesus. Invite them. Well, Pastor, I've invited them. Keep inviting them. Man, keep inviting them. Invite them. Say, hey, listen, you want to hear about things coming? You want to understand some stuff? Oh, I really want to tell you about Noah, but I can't. 
But I'm going to Sunday. Why that's so important. Mm. Listen, if you're online or right here, right now, and you know your heart's not right with God, you see what's coming. Open Satan worship. They built a huge statue in Detroit of Satan. People come to worship it on a daily basis. They put it in a warehouse. They don't know who built it. They don't know why. But people come to worship it in Detroit. Poor cities in America. Does that shock you? That there'd be poverty, crime? The churches are, very few of them are standing up to that. Some of them are, but very few. Very few pastors there that really love the Lord and we need them to rise up, though. That's why we sent that money to Project Hood in Chicago. Satan's been ruling over Chicago for 100-something years, probably forever. He's ruled that city. Is he ruled you? Is he ruling you? Because there's only two rulers, the Lord Jesus Christ or Satan. You're worshiping one or the other, whether you realize. I didn't realize I was worshiping Satan. I didn't have any idea. By living in the world and encouraging people to think like the world, act like the world, I was under the influence of Satan and didn't even know it. If someone would have asked me that, I'd have said no. Because I was so blinded to the tricks and thoughts and attitudes that he placed in my heart, in my head. I was so manipulated and used until I met the real king. The one who died to save my life and yours. King Jesus. Who are you serving? That's all that's going to matter in the times that we're going to live in and when we face the judge. Jesus is not only Messiah, but he's king and judge. The thing you'll be judged by is whether you surrendered to him or not. That's it. He surrendered his life for us. He stepped down out of heaven to be brutally killed for our sins. He never asked us to do something he's never done. He surrendered his life to save us. Now he's asking you to surrender your life to be saved. And that others around you will know that he's alive on the earth through our lives. King is coming. He's coming. Which side will you be on? You're in the valley of decision right now. If online you're listening, you're like, man, I, I believe, but I know the demons believe you're God, but I, don't, I haven't surrendered to you. The demons believe that he's God, believe Jesus is Lord, but they've never surrendered. That's the difference. You might believe, but you haven't surrendered. That's the difference between heaven and hell. That's the difference between living in victory during this time and being overwhelmed and overcome during this time. Surrender. Your whole life. Pastor Troy, I don't know how to do that. I, I didn't know how to do it either. and God's still teaching me, but I just did it and said, teach me how to surrender my life. Teach me what that feels like, acts like, thinks like. Teach me, Lord. And he will. But you got to take that first step and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. So online, send us a message. Say, I'm praying for the first time tonight, today. You might be watching this later this week or whenever. doesn't matter. He's speaking to you. The Lord is. Send us a message. Say, I'm praying for the first time or the next time in this room. 
I'm going to count to three and I ask you to lift your hand and say, I'm going to get right tonight. I'm surrendering tonight all that I am and all that I have. And I'm going to allow the Lord to teach me what that is like and what that looks like, acts like, feels like, thinks like. But I'm surrendering tonight. And then I'm going to ask you to put that hand down then we're all going to pray right where you're seated. Right where you're at online, we're going to pray. So here we go. Send a message online in this room. One, two, three. Lift your hand up and say, it's me. I, I'm, I'm surrendering tonight. I'm crossing over that line. Thank you. You can, man, God bless you all. Lifted your hand. Let's all pray with those online and those in this room right here, right now. Pray this. Say, God, I believe you are God and God alone. I believe you love me. You send Jesus to die for my sins. I believe you raised him from the dead. And he's alive. And God, because I believe that, I ask that you forgive me of all the times I've disobeyed you. All my sins. And I receive your forgiveness. And I say to you, Jesus, my heart is open. The door is open of my heart. You are the Lord Jesus Christ. And I surrender my life to you. And I receive the Holy Spirit. And I ask you now, by your word and by the Holy Spirit to teach me to live for you. Carry out your plan for my life, my family, my church, my nation. Father, thank you for saving my life. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate the goodness of God. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.